Welcome. This is Amy Clarkson, and I'm glad you're joining us to do our virtual Bible study today, which we are now moving on to 1 John chapter 2. You can look at previous podcasts if you want to start at the beginning, but for now, let's just jump in. So we're in 1 John chapter 2, and John starts off here with, My dear children, I write this to you so that you will not sin. Let's just stop there. Um, My dear children is one of those phrases that John loves to use. It's really a term of endearment. He's not, uh, some translations might say, say, my little children. Again, it's not meant to be degrading, but just a sign of love and affection that he has for his audience. And in this sentence, we hear really the whole reason John is writing this letter, and it's a pretty big one. He says, I write this to you so that you will not sin. Luckily, he goes on in this next part that says, but if anyone does sin, and this is really what's key. If I was writing this, I would say, and yet when we sin, because I think we have to admit that everybody sins. So he's writing to maybe reduce that. The intent is to have no sin, but he's putting this caveat that when it happens or when we do, there is encouragement. As verse 1 continues with, we have one who speaks to the Father in our defense, Jesus Christ, the righteous ones. Really, this is some good news, right? Now, that word advocate is often used, it's a legal term, parakletos, which really meant an attorney or a a lawyer. So John's saying, look, when this happens, you have an attorney or a lawyer to represent you in front of God. (laughs) Not only just a regular lawyer, Jesus Christ himself. Let's read verse 2. He, we're speaking of Jesus here, is the atoning sacrifice for our sins. And not only for ours, but also for the sins of the whole world. So he's explaining a little bit more about how this works. Our attorney or our lawyer, you could say, Jesus Christ, not only is uh, speaking for our behalf, but he himself is, now mine says, the atoning sacrifice. Some other versions may use the word propitiation. It's not a word we use a lot in the Greek. It means it's uh, hilasmos, which really was comes from the, the mercy seat that was on the Ark of the Covenant where the sacrifices were, where the blood was spilled for the sacrifices. So in other words, Christ is that, our propitiation, our, uh, the appeasing sacrifice to uh, God. Um, John is really the only one that uses this term, by the way, and he uses it quite often. I don't think we can miss that last phrase that it's not just for ourselves, but for the sins of the whole world. If you just pause and think about that, that is absolutely remarkable what Christ did. Let's move on to verse 3. We know that we have come to know him if we obey his commands. Very simple. John is saying this, I think, as a response to what he said up in verse 7 of chapter 1. 
when he said, if we walk in the light, we have fellowship with one another. Some might say, what is walking in the light? What does that mean? Well, he's starting to explain that to us. And in this verse 3, he's talking about a security that we have and how we know that we are walking in the light. We know if we obey his commands. Some of your versions may say, keep his commands. Keep or obey comes from the word in Greek, tereo, which really means to guard or watch. It's, as you notice, a very intentional word. This isn't just understanding his commandments. It's the intent of being very watchful and guarding as you would if, if you were in the military and standing guard or on watch. It's being very vigilant. Verse 4 says, The man who says, I know him, but does not do what he commands, is a liar, and the truth is not in him. He's expanding on this. Specifically, there were Gnostics in this time. Gnosticism was a religion, uh, kind of a branch that broke off of Christianity that became a cult. And their whole goal was to seek knowledge. They felt as if knowing the right secret information would elevate them. And so by saying, if you just know him or know about him, that is not what the point is, is it? Because it's not just knowing about him or knowing him, it's actually keeping his commands or doing his commands. And if you aren't living it out, John says you're a liar and the truth is not in him. This again goes back to chapter one when we talked about lying and truth being about reality and self-deception. Verse five, but if anyone obeys his word, God's love is truly made complete in him. Notice that John is broadening what it is we are obeying here or keeping or watching. No longer is it his commands. He uses the phrase, obeys his word. His word is the Greek word lego, L-E-G-O, and that really is something voiced or set. So it's broadening it from just the Ten Commandments to everything that Christ has commanded us to do and that God commands us to do. And so then what happens when we follow his commands, obey his word? Yes, as he said, we know that we're in him, we're secure in him, but here's what's really happening. God's love is being made complete within us. His love, agape, is being perfected, made complete. That word is teleo in the Greek. I really like this word teleo. It comes from the word telescope. And if you think about a telescope, an old telescope that can lengthen and as you twist the pieces longer and longer you can see further and further out meaning that as it becomes more mature or reaching its end stage conclusion it is being used for its maximum potential that's really what this idea of being perfected or complete is is being used and being and growing to our most mature, fullest 
selves. The end of verse 5 and verse 6 says this, This is how we know we are in him. Whoever claims to live in him must walk as Jesus did. Again, we get another really summation about what it means to declare we are in God. I want to break this sentence down just a little bit. My version, the NIV says, whoever claims to live in him. The King James Version says, he that saith he abideth in him ought himself also so to walk even as he walked. There's two words to dissect here. One is the word abide or lives in, meno, M-E-N-O, which means to dwell, to stand, to place, or to live. It's really about inhabiting a place, not just visiting, but dwelling, making a home there. So if we want to say or claim that we are living in Christ, that we've really made our home within him and he within us, then it says we ought to walk as he walked. Now this word ought, which the NIV translates into claims, is really the word ophelia, which is an indebtedness. It's really an owing. It's a moral obligation. It's it's a very significant word here that's saying it's our debt or we're obligated to live how Christ lived if we're going to say that we live with him. To, to sum up here then, in these first six verses, John is really saying that we have two reasons why we follow his commands. One is for security so that we know that we're within within him and we're dwelling with him. So it's for our own good and our own security. And the second really reason he's mentioning here is it's our debt. Um, for what he did for us in that opening paragraph about he's our attorney, he is pleading our case, he actually is the propitiation for our sins, we are in debt to then live as he lived and walk the walk and abide by his commands. Let's continue on in verse 7 and 8. He says, Dear friends, I am not writing you a new command, but an old one, which you have had since the beginning. This old command is the message you have heard. Yet, I am writing you a new command. Its truth is seen in him and you, because the darkness is passing and the true light is already shining. Okay, this is a funny uh, paragraph because he's saying it's not new and yet it is new. So what is he really saying? Well, it's been around forever, um, this truth, and yet at the same time, there's a new relevance. Uh, When he says, and yet it is new, it's a new command because it's changed in the present circumstances and situation after Christ came. And he's saying in that last bit at verse 8, It's because the darkness is passing and the true light is already shining. That word darkness is passing away. Prago, P-R-A-G-O, means to disappear. 
It really means to pass by or depart. So remember in chapter one, he's already talking about the darkness and the light. And he's saying that he's using these same words again, talking about how it's disappearing, this darkness. And this new light is already, even now he's saying, is shining. And that's meant to be encouraging. So let's move on to verse nine. Anyone who claims to be in the light but hates his brother is still in the darkness. You know, for us, hate is a pretty strong word. And so we might read this and think, well, I don't hate my brother or I don't hate anybody. But the Greek definition for hate is misio, M-I-S-E-O. And it means to detest or renounce, but it also means to love less. That's not as strong as our word hate, is it? What if we were to reread this saying anyone who claims to be in the light but loves his brother less than he should is still in darkness? That's a lot more challenging, isn't it? Let's go on. Verse 10. Whoever loves his brother lives in the light and there is nothing in him to make him stumble. Now, why is he talking about stumbling here? Well, partly because he's using this analogy and this word picture of light and darkness. But this idea of making somebody stumble or being a stumbling block is actually how the Greek implies it, is being a trigger or a trap. So he's saying that when we're loving our brother, we're not causing anybody else to falter. This is more clear when we go on to verse 11, because it's talking about the opposite now. Verse 11, but whoever hates his brother, again, remember, loves less or denounces, but whoever hates his brother is in the darkness and walks around in the darkness. He does not know where he is going because the darkness has blinded him. He's giving us a pretty full picture here that it's not just that this person is living in this kind of self-deluded sense, but also doesn't even know where they're going, really. They're, they're being led by something, this darkness that is really blinding. Um, that last phrase, because the darkness has blinded him, that word is, uh, in the Greek, means to blow smoke or have clouded vision. So when we are hating our brother, we could say disrespecting, denouncing, loving them less than what they deserve. If we're doing that, that puts a cloud around us. And so sometimes we can't even see our way through the mess of what we're creating. If we were to sum this up, we would say these verses is that keeping his commands specifically, you can see he's talking about loving your neighbor. And that may bring remembrance to you when you recall another verse in the Bible that says this new command I give you, right, to love your neighbor as yourself. It was an old and yet new command, just as John had been saying earlier. 
So this important thing of loving your brother or your neighbor, it's implying that when we don't do that, when we don't offer the compassion and kindness and grace that we're meant to do, then we can actually be a trigger or a trap for others who are seeking Christ. That's part of that walking in the darkness, being a stumbling block, um, living in a kind of clouded, miasmic reality that we don't realize. We now go on to a longer passage here from 12 through 14. I'm going to read. I write to you, dear children, because your sins have been forgiven on account of his name. I write to you, fathers, because you have known him who is from the beginning. I write to you, young men, because you have overcome the evil one. I write to you, dear children, because you have known the father. I write to you, fathers, because you have known him who is from the beginning. I write to you, you young men, because you are strong, and the word of God lives in you, and you have overcome the evil one. This is a nice little interjection for John to really talk about these three groups of people, the fathers, the young men, and the young children. Really, they're just representative of the different places we find ourselves in our faith. Um, the fathers representing maybe uh, people who have walked with Christ for a long time. He says they are wise. They've had this past history. They're, um, they've known Christ for years. And then we have maybe these young men, again, just representing people that were new to the faith maybe years ago, but they had to overcome something maybe to to follow God. So they are strong. Um, they have, they're overcomers. They've been through some kind of trial. And then the young children are just representing people new to the faith, just now coming to know this new message. The point, we're all on a different journey. We may be represented in any of these groups of people, but the message is the same for all, and that is the key. And that message so far has been that we've got to love our neighbors and our brothers. We have to love each other and not think less of those around us. Now he has a new part to this loving others, a new message, and that's now found in 15. John says, do not love the world or anything in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. All right, we need to first ask ourselves, what does he mean by the world and anything in the world? Because this is another strong one. Do not love the world. Are we talking about nature and creation? Things of this world. Are we talking about the people of the world? The pursuits of the world? The objects inside of our world? Technology, etc.? That's a pretty big question and important that we get this right. Well, we know that John himself in the gospel says, for God so loved the world. Okay, if we're walking in Christ and God's steps and he loved the world, is this contrary? No, because he's going to go on and explain in verse 16 exactly what he means about the world. Verse 16, for everything in the world... The cravings of sinful man, the lust of his eyes, and the boasting 
of what he has and does comes not from the Father, but from the world. Now we see that he's not talking about nature and creation and people. He's not talking about inventions and things and objects. He's talking about motives, isn't he? The cravings, the lusts, the boasting, the pride. What do all of those things have in common? It's ego, right? All of those three things that John mentions in verse 16 are about feeding our own selves. Cravings, lusts, pride, boasting. It's all about self and ego. And that is what we're not to love and pursue. Verse 17 says, The world and its desires pass away, but the man who does the will of God lives forever. This word John uses for passing away, that verb is the same one he used up above when he talked about that darkness was passing away. But what did he say in that verse? He said that light is already shining. And in this, he is saying that the man who does the will of God lives forever. Though other versions will say abides. That's the actual word here. The word live is sometimes translated from a Greek word, zoe, Z-O-E. But this word is the one we already talked about, meno, M-E-N-O, which is about abiding. It's about dwelling, remaining, continuing, enduring. Those are all good words for that. So again, the contrast is, is the world and its desires are passing away, not death, Passing away, as we mentioned before, which is disappearing. It's impermanent. It's, it's, it's like smoke that's just filtering off or evaporating. That's another word. Um, whereas when we love our brothers and sisters and our neighbors, when we follow God's commands, that light, because it's a contrast between light and dark, remains. It is present. It does not diminish. I'm going to stop here for this Bible study just because trying to keep these to a 20-minute, 25-minute moment and also because we're switching topics uh, in the next part of Chapter 2. So we'll hit that up next week. But again, I would love to hear other thoughts that you might have as you read this passage, um, anything that struck you differently or different words from different translations that were meaningful for you. Otherwise, thanks for listening. See you next week.